Teamwork, that's the ticket to hatching patient-centered design. Innovation is everywhere. Bold ideas and innovations are of the here and now, just waiting to be discovered, just waiting to be implemented. While real progress doesn't happen overnight, it's anything but impossible. One, two, three, four, five. Many expectant mothers are asked to monitor their baby's movements by counting at least 10 kicks, flutters, swishes, or rolls within two hours daily. This, the current gold standard, is a manual process that doesn't consider individual health risks and needs. Counting fetal movements is time-consuming, and more importantly, it can be inaccurate, causing unnecessary trips to the physician. On this episode of Boldly, we're speaking with 2019 Juul Innovation Grant recipient Jordan Lewis, a fourth-year University of Toronto medical student who co-founded Flutterware. This technology, designed specifically for expectant mothers, combines a mobile app with a belly band sensor to passively detect fetal movements. The app collects baseline data and provides personalized advice to expectant mothers looking to manage decreased fetal movements and alerts them to seek medical attention when required. Thank you, Ms. Lewis, for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. It's uh, not every day that we uh, get to spend a bit of time with an emerging physician innovator such as yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got a very uh, interesting story. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, Yeah, so currently I'm in my fourth year of medical school at the University of Toronto. Um, A little bit about me. I have a bit of a background in sort of reproductive and developmental biology through some postgraduate studies that I completed while uh, in the United Kingdom at Imperial College London. Um, And so a lot of that, I've always kind of maintained an interest in women's health and in obstetrical medicine. And so kind of prior to medical school, most of my studies have been focused on sort of the biology of that. And I think having the opportunity to learn more about the clinical piece during medical school has been uh, really eye-opening for me and, and really exciting. That is awesome. So you've, you've got a really interesting background. Now, how did you become aware? So for those, um, for the listeners who are not a- aware, um, you've received a $5,000 grant from Juul for a device called Flutterware, um, and it's, it involves uh, monitoring fetal movements. How did you come to understand there were issues with the way we do that today? Um, and how did your interest start? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, in medical school, it actually kind of started back in second year. So uh, at U of T, we do something called CBL, or case-based learning, um, which essentially consists of basically a small group of students that get together with a physician tutor. And the whole purpose is to dissect a case and answer questions kind of related to a stimulated patient's healthcare encounter. Uh, And so during my second year, um, during our obstetrics unit, we were doing a particular case where the simulated expectant mother was worried that she wasn't actually feeling her baby move as much, uh, which led to then answering some questions about kick counting guidelines for fetal health surveillance and what an appropriate number of kicks within a certain time frame was. Um, So basically, a little bit of background about kick counting. Uh, During pregnancy, patients are sort of counseled on the importance of monitoring fetal movements through daily kick counting, starting at around 20 weeks. And so while everyone in our group was aware that fetal activity was a positive sign, I think we were all a little bit surprised at how simplistic these guidelines actually were. And even our our tutor chimed in that uh, these instructions left a lot of women feeling kind of confused and anxious about whether their baby was kicking a quote-unquote healthy amount. Um, So even further, we actually found when we were trying to answer this question that there's a number of different recommendations out there. We saw, you know, six movements in one hour, 10 movements in two hours, six movements in two hours, 
So I kind of felt like if we were confused, I was almost certain that there was a number, you know, many pregnant women out there who were as well. Especially if someone wasn't getting a really high number. It's a, it's a, a huge responsibility, I'm sure, on behalf of the mm-hmm. mother to feel like they're on top of that. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're working with your physician tutor and you come up with this. So what was your thought pattern around how you might address it? Yeah. So I mean, it kind of focused on, on what the guidelines say and what we felt were really the kind of weaknesses in the guidelines. So they, they sort of say that if someone's worried about decreased fetal activity, they recommend that uh, the pregnant woman find a quiet place to lie down, ideally at the same time every day and focus solely on their baby's movements until they meet these thresholds. And we kind of felt, I, I felt that this wasn't really realistic for many women, you know, dedicating up to two hours a day at the same time every day is a significant time commitment, and particularly in the context of career personal responsibilities. And we also felt that current methods are highly subjective. You know, patients may either lose track or have difficulty identifying fetal movements and, and subsequently provide inaccurate readings. And which likely, you know, would lead to heightened anxiety and unnecessary consultation with healthcare providers. Um, so we kind of felt that the ambiguity and sort of oversimplified gold standard wasn't really that personalized or specific to the experiences of pregnancy that these women have. Um, and so we wanted to sort of address this this subjectivity. We wanted to address this onus that's you know on the physician, the patients themselves. And, and try and make that a little bit easier and lessen that burden on them. That's, that's awesome. So how would you like to tell us a little bit about Flutterware then? Yeah, so basically Flutterware, um, it's a group of three of us currently, and the purpose is to provide a bit more uh, objective, contextualized uh, data analytics on, on fetal movement and activity. And so we've done this through sort of incorporating technologies that currently exist uh, to monitor fetal movements, as well as kind of coming up with our own technologies and incorporating this into uh, a belly band, which is something that um, many pregnant women actually wear during their pregnancy. It's, it's meant to sort of uh, help alleviate back pain that might be associated with pregnancy. And so we thought it'd be an interesting idea, you know, with the climate of sort of wearable technology is there something that we could we could do to incorporate wearable technology into something that these women might wear on a day-to-day basis anyway and so the idea kind of came from incorporating our technology into a wearable belly band um, to help identify fetal movements throughout the day and in particular kind of contextualize this uh, with that person's specific pregnancy you know we know that there's various uh, maternal fetal health factors that might actually uh, contribute as well as you know there's such things as fetal sleep cycles and fetal activity and so I think it was an interesting opportunity to collect this baseline data throughout the day and give everyone a little bit more insight into you know their specific baby's activity what's normal for them and alternatively what, what might be abnormal for them as well. Okay so do you depend on the guidelines still as part of that like did the guidelines help you determine when let's say somebody would be alerted to low fetal movement? Yeah so I mean we take the guidelines um, and we we've taken a lot of the tips that they recommend as well so in practice um, women are you know if they're finding that they're not picking up as many kicks within these thresholds you know if they're not noticing um, 10 fetal movements in two hours or six movements in one hour, there's certain tips out there um, that they're told. So they're told, you know, maybe the baby's asleep and walking around or drinking a sugary drink 
um, might help kind of wake them up and get them active again. And so we, we've sort of combined our technology with a iPhone application, um, which, you know, with wearable tech today, you know, we get all these notifications about our heart rates and, and things like that. And so I thought it'd be an interesting opportunity to kind of help prompt some of those tips to these women as well. And um, in particular, it can be a little bit more personalized to their pregnancy. So if they're not, if the app picks up um, changes from what's typical for their baby's, you know, patterns, then it would prompt the, prompt the user to, you know, get up, walk around, um, if that persists, and if the app is recognizing that this decreased fetal movement isn't improving, um, then we can also point them towards the necessary, necessary resources that they might need um, and alert them to seek medical attention when necessary. That's, uh, that's awesome. And uh, you've mentioned, I mean, I can tell, I know a little bit about your background and I, I know you're very, um, you're very interested in sort of a patient centered care approach. So mm-hmm. co- clearly, as you were developing this solution, uh, you were working with uh, patients. Um, mm-hmm. What was that like? What kind of feedback did you get from that process? Yeah, I mean, it was really insightful. I, I think, um, I mean, when it comes to providing sort of meaningful healthcare delivery, especially in the context of innovation, I think um, patient feedback, and in particular patient empowerment, is a really critical piece that often gets overlooked. Um, so something that we really, you know, appreciate as a, as a core value of our company is that patient-centered care and sort of contextualized user-centric functionality. Um, so sort of we, we plan on keeping that throughout the process of, of developing our prototype and getting our product to market. And, and what that's looked like so far um, has mostly been sort of informal feedback that we've collected through social media engagement. So we've, it's kind of taken the format of joining multiple groups on social media targeted to pregnant women, uh, disseminating our, our idea and our website and seeking feedback. And so in particular, we joined this one Facebook group that had about 80,000 uh, women all over the world. And we posted a feedback survey, kind of just wanting to assess their understanding of kit counting, um, what its role is, and how whether they were properly counseled on it, and how it affected their pregnancy. And it, it was really insightful. I mean, we learned that um, actually only about 50% of women were properly counseled about kit counting. Some found it helpful, some didn't. And it was really some of the qualitative feedback that they provided that we found was really uh, interesting and helpful. In particular, we learned that for example, in a twin pregnancy, one baby might be active and the other might not be. And at the end of the day, they were both healthy babies. So I think that that, you know, really reveals that it's not like applying one specific guideline might not necessarily capture the the details and, and some of the more uh, personalized experiences that they may have. Um, we learned that babies don't often move in a predictable enough fashion to rely on cake counting. You know, even comments were made about like pregnancy brain. Some people felt that they couldn't remember to do kick counting properly. And at the end of the day, I think you know the main theme was that uh, it was quite a subjective measurement. And you know, a lot of women felt that it would actually make better sense to record movement over a period of time and sort of compare that on a day to day and compare that based on your personal data. So the data you're collecting then, it's not just for use with, let's say, an in individual mother, but you can collect aggregate data and learn a lot about the significance of fetal movements to a healthy pregnancy then. Yes, absolutely. Oh, that's, a, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So um, earlier on, uh, you, you referred to we a fair bit. I know that you're mm-hmm. part of uh, an important team. So can you talk to us a little bit about how your team came together um, to solve uh, to solve this challenge? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the three of us, we all met at uh, an event called uh, Hatching Health, which is basically a weekend-long uh, healthcare hackathon that was offered through UBC. And it, it was actually kind of funny. I mean, I, I received an email from U of T advertising this event offered through UBC. And I guess being from BC myself, it kind of piqued my interest, and it happened to overlap at the time that I was able to go. Um, and so this event, is it's essentially advertised as a medical innovation event um, over the course of a weekend, which focuses on collaborating between medical professionals, healthcare workers, graphic designers, engineers, entrepreneurs, and you know all sorts of related fields um, that can help contribute towards solutions within medicine. Um, and so I had basically signed up to go and, and thought that I'd give it a try. And uh, basically how our team met was Actually, at the, the social on the first night was when I met a few of the members of my team. And so, you know, really a lot of people were just kind of bouncing ideas off of each other, asking what each other was, was thinking, whether they were going to pitch or whether they were just going to participate. And so I had the opportunity to kind of uh, spitball my idea off of some people. And, you know, almost instantly I started to see their brains work together. And it just so happened that once I pitched the next day, uh, these are the same people that kind of approached me afterwards and said that they wanted to get involved. And so that's kind of how our team formed. That's uh, pretty exciting. Um, we mm-hmm. often at Jewel highlight the fact that uh, when you when it comes to innovation, you can't do it alone. You need a multidisciplinary team, people with different backgrounds who can sort the problem out from different uh, perspectives. So I love hearing you describe how it came together, how you just went to see what the experience would be like and look where you've ended up today. Mm-hmm, absolutely. That is, uh, that's pretty exciting. So now you're a fourth year medical student and you're the co-founder and chief medical officer mm-hmm. of Flutterware. What is that like? I mean, it's pretty exciting. I, it's, it's one of those things where I think kind of given the title of chief medical officer, it really, you know, points to the privilege I have with kind of having that patient contact. I think that that's really important, um, especially when it comes to sort of creating a, a medical device that we want to be personalized to um, to our end users and we want to be personalized to pregnancy. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's really fun having that, but I mean, it's also, it's, it's amazing working alongside the members of my team. I mean, our CEO, Dolma uh, Sundu, she's so incredibly driven and has such a good background with respect to sort of her engineering background, but she also has quite um, an impressive sort of entrepreneurial CV as well. And I think working with Ivan Gorley, who's our chief technology officer, I mean, he has experience with creating assistive technology, functional prototypes, you know, all, all these things that I think I couldn't even dream of doing. So it's, it's really, it's quite fun when we get together and when we meet and we get to kind of hear each other's ideas and get each other's perspectives. I think it really makes for a really good team. That's excellent. What's the vision for uh, Flutterware? So the vision for Flutterware, like with, I mean, what we want to do is we want to create, you know, a pregnancy companion. So something that we can kind of offer to women to help basically accompany them through their pregnancy, help them really get in touch with themselves, with their body and with their baby during what we see as a uniquely maternal experience. So that's something that we we really hope for. We, we, we really think that it'll be quite fun, actually, for our users to kind of have some of this extra data to really tap into what their baby's like, what their activity is like, what their patterns are. And, and I think it's, so that's quite fun. And I think also, you know, something that we also learned through seeking feedback was 
the importance of kind of fostering this sense of community. And so we, we think that actually having this application will serve as a really interesting opportunity to get people together. We know that people benefit from um, sharing their experiences who, with others who have potentially gone through something similar. Um, so we also see the app as a really fun way of kind of engaging not only our, our pregnant end users, but their, their partners and their family and their friends and even their sort of interdisciplinary healthcare providers. That's a very exciting. What's next for you and your team? So, I mean, there's lots, there's lots to look forward to. I think um, something, you know, about being somewhat of an early stage innovation is there's always, you know, a big hill to climb with respect to getting our device out there. Um, so I think, you know, with some of our initial seed funding, we've been able to tackle some of the administrative tasks, like getting our website up and, you know, getting things going. But I think now with, with the support from Jewel, we're looking ahead to kind of getting our patent submitted and um, really kind of starting to refine our prototype and engage our end users in that process as well. We want to make sure that our device is comfortable, you know, that we're able to encourage compliance. If it's not something that women will want to wear, then they won't wear it. So we're, we're hoping to really get that piece going, get, you know, enough uh, of our um, enough models out there for us to try. And also, we want to partner more with uh, healthcare providers to make sure that the pieces that they think would be important are integrated into, into our system. That's awesome. I can tell you that everybody at Jewel is very, very proud of the work that you've done to date. And we uh, really congratulate you for everything that you've done and are very, very uh, hopeful for what follows next. Is there anything else that you wanted to say before we closed off today's uh, podcast? I, I mean, I really just wanted to reiterate just how eternally grateful we are for for your support. And, and not only are we excited sort of for the funding piece, but I think we're really looking forward to some of the, the mentorship opportunities that I know you provide and offer as well. Um, and so we're, we're just, I just want to reiterate how grateful we are for everything that you've done for us so far. Well, thank you. And you are most welcome. So Ms. Lewis, thank you for joining us today. Best of luck and keep in touch. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Take care. You've been listening to Boldly. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, Teamwork. That's the ticket to hatching patient-centered design. Special thanks to Jordan Lewis for joining us and sharing her story. Loved our podcast? Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud and leave a review. To learn more about Jewel, connect with us at jewelinquiries at cma.ca or visit us at jewelcma.ca. That's J-U-U-L-E-C-M-A dot C-A.